Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. Ooh. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. Ooh. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. What's going on? And welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast Survivor News Postseason 45 coverage, episode 347, postseason with Austin. Lacoon. I serve as your humble and also gracious host, Bryce Isaiah, and I thank you so much for tuning in to this week's postseason interview. If you could be so kind to ensure you are subscribed to the Purple Pants Podcast, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts. The Purple Pants Podcast awaits for you to subscribe. And as always, with your Survivor News coverage, you can watch this audio podcast on video, head over to the Bryce Isaiah YouTube channel, click subscribe, give this video a thumbs up and let us know in the comments what you think. I am so excited for this season's 
post interview. We've had some great ones. If you have not checked out our Queen Kelly or my very personal one with Katora, go ahead and check them out because they are amazing. Now, I'm a little biased about this one because, you know, all season of Survivor 45, I had to stand beside my man. Okay, the one, the only, my man, Austin. Woo! I am so excited to have Austin on the podcast. Jack, Wendell, and I get to get into the brain of Austin and talk about some of his moves. And Austin is such a great speaker. He really shares so much about a lot of the things we didn't get to see what he was doing and what he was thinking on this season of Survivor. So this is a really great episode. Not just because it's my man, my man, my man, but Austin is truly amazing. And hearing some of his insight was just so amazing for me when I was editing this podcast back and I was listening to Austin speak. I'm like, well, I know my man look good, but oh, my man is smart as well. So listen, let's get into this postseason interview with Austin. <laughs> And we are back with your post-season coverage of Survivor News of Survivor Season 45. And I just, you know, I feel like I just need a, a little second. And so I'm really so excited because we are joined by, we have our baby boys, Jack Atkins. We have Wendell Holland, the first merge boot at Winners at War. But listen, my man, my man, my man, my man, my man, my man. My man, you. okay, <laughs> I'm going to stick beside him. We are joined by the legend, the king, okay? My first husband, my first love. We have Austin. Austin, welcome to Survivor News. Oh, my goodness. Thanks, baby. It's so good to be back here. <laughs> Wait, Austin, stop. I got changed my britches already. Stop. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this. So pumped to be here. Do we need to leave you two alone? Maybe a little bit at the end. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it we'll is what it is. Listen, we'll I've been no shy. I've spoke my piece. I've gotten into Twitter fights. I've gotten into fights with Jack. I've gotten into fights with Wendell. I don't play about my man. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate it, Austin. I really do just want to start this podcast off with saying that, like, I do love you. You know, I think that you are a king, but I, I also just want to say, I appreciate you receiving the love. Right. And I always like to show love. And sometimes the love isn't always received. First podcast I listen to every week. It's all been loved back. So I appreciate it. Now, Austin, we know just even by your background that you are a huge Survivor fan. But I think the real question is, who is the bigger Survivor fan? You or my mother-in-law, Miss Eva? Yeah, you know, at least up until last year, my mom was a bigger fan. She's watched since day one, episode one, has never missed an episode, watched every single season. Like, she got me into the show. Like, she would always just be watching by herself, sitting in the living room, like, by herself. And then one day I came back home for the holidays. I was like, oh, this is kind of sad. My mom's just watching by herself. So I was like, okay, I'll sit and watch with you. And I'm sitting watching and immediately. It's like, this show is 
freaking awesome. I need to, I need to play this game. So that hooked me in and then I binged it all, you know, pretty much the last year, the only show I've watched is survivor. So I'd say now I'm a bigger fan than her, but she got me in. So she kind of gets that legacy. How long was she on Twitter for? Was she on Twitter before your season? No, no, she just started. We both got on Twitter the same time. Neither of us knew what we were doing, but she would get so excited. Like it started out being like, oh my gosh, Austin, 700 people saw my tweet. I have like 19 likes and she'd freak out. And then like, next thing I know, she's like, oh my gosh, Austin, I hit a thousand five hundred likes on this. Like, like 80,000 people have seen this tweet. I'm just like, what the heck, mom? Like you're getting more likes than I am. Like, yeah. Not too much on Miss Eva. Cause one thing about it is she don't play about you. Again, we love her. We appreciate her and your father for creating a smart, a handsome, long but short hair, a new but old haircut, soft but hard hands, white and pearly teeth, handsome, tall but short, chiseled (laughs) but hard abs, okay? A fan, but a friend, okay? We we can't thank her enough, okay? Okay. Yes, I thank them too. Thank you, thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate Unless you it. say if there's ever a blood versus water, I think Eva could be pretty locked and loaded. To oh, I do think she's probably got a better chance of return than I do. I mean, everyone wants her. I mean, the thing is, though, I think she's too scared to play this game. Like, she would love to, but I think the physical side of it, I'm not sure if she's she's done the training to get there. I told her, if she ever wanted to get on, I will quit what I'm doing, and I'll train her for, like, half a year straight, you know, as long as I get some of that winnings if she wins. But, um... But yeah, no, I, I think she's kind of terrified at the thought because now there's actually a real possibility that she'd get, you know, if there is a blood water, like they would want her. I would want her. I need her on the TV. That'd be so funny to yeah. see what she does. She would be a beast, though. Like, I feel like she's shy at first, but I feel like <laughs> she would be a beast. <laughs> I think she could. She'd have to go on the puzzle route. You know, she'd have to just own. I could do all the puzzles. And if she can actually do that, she's good. But. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You have to help convince her because I think she's kind of too nervous to apply right now. Uh, she got it. I might not rave about you as hard as Bryce does, but I'm very <laughs> excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, for those who don't know, Austin, I went go slash went to the same school and I've connected even before the season started. Um, but I wanted to ask you a couple questions about some circumstances going into the game and how that yeah. kind of affected your gameplay. I have two that jump out. The first of which is you were an alternate going into the season, weren't sure you were going to be on the season, and lucky for you, one of the males drop out and you're able to take his spot last minute. How did that feel going in? And then how do you think that affected your gameplay, if at all? Yeah, I mean, the, when I got in, I was just pure happiness, right? Like, I didn't have... Because people, when, they, when they, you're told that you're going to play like a couple months or whatever before the game starts, and you have all this time to prep, but you also have all this time to like freak yourself out and be like, oh my God, what if I do this wrong? What if I'm the first boot? What if this happens, this happens, this happens? For me, it was just like, I'm playing? Okay, shoot, I'm on the island and I'm playing. So it was just like all just like living in the moment right there. I didn't have time to like really do all this extra scheming. But then at the same time, it's like, episode one, like day two, I find the beware advantage. Like, of course I'm going to open it. Like, I'm not going to like be an alternate, get put on, then just put away the beware advantage after I find it. You know, like I, I went out there and it was like, I'm doing literally everything I can to just have the, the full experience. I'm going to go swim and try catching fish. I'm going to try finding idols. I'm going to like do literally everything that I can do possibly because it's like every day out there felt like 
like the best day of my life, a day that I should never have had. Like I was literally studying for my midterms at Ponderosa before the the game started because I was like, I'm going to have to just go home and immediately go into my midterms and I'm going to fail it. But so like, I, I really didn't have time to do all this like mental prep and also just mental freak out. So I just went out there and I was able to just like play and kind of like not think too much of it and just have fun. While you were at Ponderosa and you are kind of like sizing up the cast, what was your initial thought? That's a good question. I mean, one thing that I immediately noticed, I'm like, wow, this is a young cast. Like everyone looks like my age. This is kind of crazy. Um, and then you kind of see, you kind of like suss people out based because you're not allowed to talk. Everyone's wearing masks too. So it's hard to even like smile at people. You're just looking at eyes and like what people are doing. I mean, Caleb immediately out the bat, he's a guy giving eyes at everyone, like, you know, winking at him, giving like eyebrow raises. You like, look, he's like in the corner, like high fiving someone and stuff. So it's just like, okay, big threat right there. Um, and then you've got like Emily just sitting on her chair, not looking at anybody, just playing Pokemon on her DS the entire time. And it's like, okay, that's a whole different vibe. Awesome vibe though. I mean, like that's, it really worked well for our season given we had a bunch of Pokemon players and like Drew and Jake and Brando and, and whatnot. So it's like that. I mean, that's a good strategy just to go in with a little niche like hobby and just do it while you're there. And you immediately got allies without telling everyone else. I've got these allies who I already have a connection with. What vibe do you think you were given though? <laughs> I was trying to give off hardcore surfer oh. jock vibes. So I was oh. chilling, always smiling too, but like making sure I wasn't doing like direct, a lot of direct stuff. You know, I would like get my little bag at, at Ponderosa and I just do like, arm curls and stuff and just like be kind of like a little obnoxious about that being like i don't know i'm not thinking strategically yeah look look at me i'm doing i'm doing curls right here in front of everybody like i don't i don't care you know so that was kind of my vibe just free flowy just like don't look like a strategic threat was my main thing i wanted to ask you going into the game this season there was very few single players but like I think there was <laughs> yeah. maybe three or four singles including yourself when you get out in the game and everyone around you is in a relationship did that have any impact at all or did it change your expectation of the game or was it just sort of like it was what it was honestly it didn't change anything for me I, I i thought at the time i guess but um i yeah i was the only single guy in the entire cast which is really weird but oh. it's like it didn't change my strategy in any way um obviously like you know maybe my strategy was affected by that but like it didn't change my met mindset for my strategy going into the game at all i didn't really think about it so to be clear, you weren't in a relationship with Bryce during the time you were out there. We took a pause. Yeah, yeah. He he let me take a break for the show, like as as any good good guy would do for me, you know. Got it. Um, <laughs> so you get, I guess, called up. You're this alternate, and now yeah. it's like go time. And you and your Reba tribe, you guys are on this boat. And I guess now you're sizing up the competition. <laughs> what did you think about your tribe compared to the? Uh, so. That was such a fun moment. So like at Ponderosa, we get, we all put on our clothes or whatever. We get put into our, our boat. We're not allowed to talk still until like, you know, cameras are rolling and we're on the maroon, like the, the boat, but we like look at each other and we all just like are smiling and we just start laughing. Like we just, we're just in this boat. We're just laughing. We are all thinking the same thing. We're like, dude, how did this happen? This is sick. Like we're just laughing, having a good time. Um, and then like, once we finally could talk and we got back to Reba beach, we were just like, yo, this is so cool. We're stacked. Like, this is awesome. We ain't going to tribal council. Uh, cause everyone thought it was going to be me, Sifu and Caleb separated into three tribes and to be on the same tribe as Sifu. Plus we got perhaps the smartest players in the entire game too. It's like, it, it, I don't know. It was crazy. I think 
But the, the thing is, too, the guy that I replaced as, as an alternate, like, I don't, I don't really know too much about him, but he was a bigger guy, too. Like, he was a, oh. he looked really strong. He looked like he'd do well in challenges. So it's not like I replaced someone who was, like, going to anchor their team down. Like, I replaced someone who also was going to be pretty solid, probably. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, I, I don't know how that happened, but. I think that's low-key a, a huge advantage for you, too, in the sense that, you know, if any guy gets, but like, has to go home, and you're replacing them, you're automatically going to be a boost for that tribe that they couldn't yeah. really account for when they balance it. Like if, I mean, no knock on Drew, but he self-admittedly says he's not a great challenge performer. If you replace Drew and then it's you, Sifu, and then that other big dude, that's yeah. just a stacked tribe. I think if that happened, they would have had to do some sort of last second switch because that would have been too crazy. It was also crazy because the dude I replaced was like also like 6'5 or something. Oh. So it was another massive guy. and. uh I mean, yeah, I, I you mean, know his Instagram or <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know his name. I don't know anything about him. All I knew is that he was there for a second. He was gone. And then I'm in. So I love him. He's got all my heart. Like after you, Bryce. Yeah. What was early Reba like when you got out there and you guys are like, we here. <laughs> like, I can remember on Kageon it just being like, I can't believe. Yeah. Here. The cameras are there to like. Yeah, hey, my name is Brett. Like, what was that like oh for you? Oh my gosh, it's the same thing. I mean, like, because you get there and it's like, you know what you do? You you get there, you walk to your tribe flag and then you introduce each other. And it's just like, it's like, we're actually doing this. Like you watch this happen every single season with tribes introducing themselves. Like we're actually doing this out here. Um, But like one of the coolest things, like oh, original Reba was some of the most fun that I've ever had in my life. Cause that's like when everything's so new and fresh and you're like actually relying on people to like survive before any of us had the hang of how to do anything. We didn't even know how to make a fire really at that point on in Fiji. Like we all practice, but it's different than being out there. We hadn't learned how to use the machete and the actual like stuff in the Fiji beach with the humidity. And like, we didn't know where to find food. We didn't know how to crack coconut. Like everything was just so new and exciting. But the thing, I think one of our biggest advantages was knowing that at most before the merge, we'd maybe hit tribal one time if we just get some weird matchup on some some challenge. And because of that, we were really able to use the first part of the game to just like get really close as friends and like really understand each other. And like, I feel like when you're going to tribal a lot, you always are thinking, is this someone I want to work with? Am I going to be blindsiding this person or whatever? For us, it's purely like, how close can we get before we have to split up to create as tight of a bond as literally possible? And I think we were all on the same page of doing that. Um, like you, you see in the show, it's like we're kind of going after Sifu. We're going after Jay. And like we were, but like we were totally down to roll with them pretty much. Um, we were trying to get real tight with them and with everybody. But, uh, you know, with any group, you kind of have to have people in the background, like just in case something happens, like we'd have to you know vote them out or whatever. But because we, that was never really much of a threat, we were able to get really close with everybody uh, in, in the entire tribe. And then, you know, we see... You guys don't go to tribal until the swap. And this is the first like classic style swap that we've had in the new era. And yeah. you and Drew, but I, I want to say you specifically really put on a, a great showing in terms of that. There's that classic swing vote situation where it's two Reba, two Bello, Emily smack in the middle. And it's a tale of old, as old as time where the two, the two duos are trying to win that middle vote. And you guys successfully get Emily on sides. Being that's the first time in the new era we've really seen this, and as someone who executed it very well, what was sort of your tactic in terms of winning Emily over as that swing vote? Yeah, we knew Drew and I, as soon as we got on that beach, we were like, 
we need to win Emily. We're not voting Emily out on, under any circumstances. It's either going to be one of us two going home or either Brando and Kendra. Like Emily was not an option because we knew winning Emily over and knocking out a Bello would literally change the rest of the entire game. So that was our number one priority. And very early on, Drew and I, like we had this chat and we were on the same page and we were just putting in the work with Emily. Like every opportunity we got, there was one scene like this, like little scene, one of the episodes that was so funny. It's like, Emily's chopping a coconut being like, I hate Lulu or something like that. And like, we're just hyping her up being like, Oh dude, you're so, you're a natural. You're so good at cutting this coconut. Like, wow. You're so cool. Like we're just hyping her every opportunity we got to like get her onto our side. Um, and we felt pretty good early on that we had Emily, like we drew and I were talking for many days, whether we should throw a challenge to make sure that we went to tribal council, because we knew like if we were able to get Emily and vote out of Bella, like it would, change the entire game so that was our main priority and like before that challenge that we lost like we talked a lot about throwing the challenge but um then they took out that plate of fish and we were just like oh that tastes that would be so good right now um and then reba ended up winning our our kind of like thought was like if it's between us and reba we would lose to let reba win but reba ended up winning that challenge so we we're like okay let's just beat lulu then but then we lost It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. We see that uh, Bruce has such a huge personality when you're out there and you see Bruce out there and knowing that, you know, yeah. the previous season, like what was your thought? Did you automatically identify him as a threat or were you thinking like it could be good to have him out here? Yeah, I viewed him as a as a shield. I mean, like as a stronger athletic male, like sort of that's someone who would be a good shield for me. So I didn't really view him as a huge threat. I also knew that other people would see him as a threat and wouldn't let him get to the end. Um, so I wasn't too worried about him. One thing I did kind of like underestimate, like he really downplayed the advantage you get. Even if you're only out there for 12 hours, you are at a huge advantage because then you could talk to the winner of your season. You could talk to the winner of other seasons. You could just like, you have so much knowledge that you're able to get that other new players aren't able to get. And he did a really good job of like hiding that underplaying that and making it seem like I just played for 12 hours. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, like whatever. Um, so no, if I knew that back then, I would have absolutely viewed him as a bigger threat than I did at the time. It's interesting this, that you say he did a great job at downplaying that because as a viewer, I almost viewed it as man, here goes, here goes Bruce telling him what to do or telling him. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, I never lived with him at old Bello. So my interactions with him were just like in challenges and I was like, okay, this, and like that interaction between him and Emily at the very first challenge, I was like, okay, like 
he's he's right. Like he doesn't have a huge advantage. Like why are we dogpiling on him right now? Um, and for that, yeah. you as a as a first time player, like obviously people that have played know that any amount of time out there is like a huge leg up. So yeah, for him to you know say that it's not an advantage, and for you guys to not, you guys, how would you know? You know, so exactly. that's that's interesting. Yeah, but yeah. Wendell, for you as a winner of Ghost Island, and then for you to go back on Winners at War, do you feel like you being a returning player helped you on that season? I'll give you the truth. I think that people that have played more than twice, or people, in my case, I played once. It wasn't the question, though, but go on. Go ahead, go ahead and re-ask re your question. The question was, you being a returning player on Winners at War, do you feel like, because you had a little bit more than 12 hours, Bruce only had 12 hours, and made it well past the merge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did that fare for I you? My answer? I still made it further than Bryce Isaiah did on his first season. But <laughs> what I will say is, but a returnee won that season, so you know. And, and, and I'm I'm sorry, uh, Austin. What was his original season that that returnee won? True, I got he got good training again against your your wonderful cast, Bryce. Were you even on that season? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I do think it's different scenarios where winners at war is all winners. Okay. All people yeah. that have, oh, that's not even to, to debate what you're saying, but where you're a returnee amongst all new players, I do agree with you, Bryce. There is some added advantage. Yeah. I mean, it could be a detractor in the sense that everyone knows you're a returnee. Maybe yeah. there's a target, but like having that experience is definitely. Yeah. And I think returnees do really well in those seasons in general, because I think they're able to underplay how much of advantage it is. And the new players don't realize how big of an advantage it is. Even yeah. any, any of the little nuances. And one thing too, it's like one thing that I like went over my head, like way at the end of the game, when like Jake tells me he has an idol at the, at the final five and he does this crazy play to play it on Couture instead of himself. Like, I remember when he told me about that, my, in my mind, I was like, okay, yeah, of course he's going to play it on himself, just guarantee himself Final Four. I didn't know as like a first-time player, okay, if your back's against the wall, you haven't done enough to build up your resume, you're, you want to do crazy shit in order to win some points. You're not just trying to get to the end. And that's something like, as a returning player, I would know, like, okay, the people who haven't done much in the game are going to be the most dangerous at the end of the game. Whereas first time playing, it was sort of like, okay, if they haven't done much in the game, they're probably not going to be able to do much later on you don't think they're going to be crazy and do this wild stuff that you can't predict. So historically in the game though, Austin, like more people with more power and stuff, they become an even bigger target. Yeah. And you know, I don't say this lightly, but you were loaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that, like two uh, idols. I don't know if that was a good thing for my game. I really didn't want that second one, but because of the fact that I knew my target would just get even bigger and bigger and I didn't feel like I needed to. But that said, um, my main priority with, I feel like when you are loaded with different advantages oh. and idols, when you know that you're loaded with no. multiple advantages and idols and you're at the top already, then you can't really use it to make flashy plays. The best thing you can do is just to strengthen your relationships that you have to make sure you stay on the top as opposed, like, if you're at the bottom, you got two idols. Oh. Yeah, you can do some crazy stuff and get, you know, try moving to the top. But when you're already oh. in a power position, right. like, what, what are you going to do with two idols? You know what I mean? So you what prefer to be on the top, right? Because that's like... I feel like if I had the two idols, I'd prefer to not be on the top. Well, oh. I feel like I'd prefer to be on top, number one. Number two, okay. on the bottom with two oh. idols. Okay. <laughs> well, are we still talking about survivor oh because i was going yeah because i was just saying like you know if, if that's the case i don't want no idol i'll take the I, i'll take the bottom bunk if no. you know but 
actually, I actually think that's a great point though. Like in general, when you're, when you're in a power position and you have all these idols, you want to make big moves, but if you're already in a good spot, you don't need to make big, yeah, moves. you make big moves, you expose yourself further and then yeah. you're like you can use them defensively, but that's going to be yeah. because people are now targeting you because you have idols. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite moments of the season was that boys night montage. <laughs> and we even saw in a reward, like after that, where it was you drew and Jake having like boys night 2.0. Tell me a little bit about your, your relationship with the bros on the season. And I guess, you know, even though there was a moment where it was sort of like a girl boys split, yeah. what was sort of the, the, the guy dynamic in the season? You know, it, it was really fun. Like Bruce and Jake, we're always on the other side of like me and drew. Like we never really voted together. We never strategized much together. Or if we did, it was like fake strategy, like just to like, you know, have that strategy talk or whatever. But at the end of the day, even after each blind side where we went against each other, we'd come back, you know, we'd still laugh with each other, give each other hugs, like hang out, like actually enjoy time together. Just like strategically, we could never be on the same page. But like what I really respect from both Bruce and Jake is like, even despite that, like we were, hanging out we were homies out there we were having a great time together like boys night that entire night was so much fun we cooked up a big pot of rice we just told stories back home things we we're looking forward to like we like opened up and just had like a really good time even though we knew we were against each other and i think being able to have people like that out there it makes the experience so much better it's like yeah we have to like go against each other just because of where we are in the game but that doesn't mean like we have to hate each other you know on on as a viewer it seemed like they just kept revving up this reba versus bello now honestly speaking did you feel like was it a battle or was it a a concord <laughs> yeah it, i mean at first at the merge it was a major battle i mean it was like how who is going to get the first key pieces first and i think the biggest the the big start of it was like winning over emily taking out brando um, and then once we were able to get Kelly out, then it felt like, okay, now it's a, a concord kind of thing. Now we're just taking over. And, and we took out their like their centerpieces that had the, the connections that kept them all together in a way. Um, but it was leading up to that. It was always like, this is going to be a war between Reba and Bella. Like back in OG Reba, we talk about it every day. Like we're prepping for this war. Whoever wins Lulu is going to win this war. And that was like what we tell ourselves. And like, we knew that a tribe stop was going to happen. And no matter where, Alulu went, anyone of us who was on that tribe, our number one priority would be to win whoever that is on our side. You guys did such a great job because um, we were able to see so many cracks in Bello. Like the Bruce Katora thing was crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and how you guys stayed so tight. But as you guys moved on, and I'd listened to you guys talk about the, dis I guess, disposable players like, uh, like Jay Maya, like Sifu. And in my head, I'm like, why are they even mentioning any of these Reba people? Because this Bello group is still, you know, around. But like you said, you did a great job of, I guess, getting rid of those linchpins or like those players that kind of mm -hmm. were kind of the gluey type players. And then what I saw as a viewer was, okay, now you have players that are willing to run back and share information with various players on the Reba side, which to me, it's like almost not even in their best interest. I think. I think like, I'm like, man, these, these Reba people are tight, but they're doing a great job, like reaching out and acting like they're so connected with these other people. While in actuality, 
they're just going to stay together. And I thought, I'm like, all right, we're just going to watch a pagonging. And now that we have 90 minutes, they're just going to make it a little more creative and mm-hmm. it's going to be a little more entertaining. And we saw you guys just picking people off one by one by one by one. And um, it was it was actually pretty masterful to watch. But I think, man, I'd almost venture to say that in, in 60 minutes, that might have been a little bit different. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, like the thing that made that work is the fact that, you know, the re before we were in like tight agreement that we cannot let anyone know how tight we were. Our strategy was to go to everyone else, say we have all these cracks. You know, there's a girls alliance on the Reba side, you know, the you know, X is on the bottom, Y is on the bottom. And because of that, we were able to, like, for example, sell to Emily, be like, hey, like Emily, Drew and I, we're on the bottom. The girls are a tight thing. Like, I'll prove it to you. Like, we'll take out J. Maya. Like, it doesn't matter to us. Like, we want to, like, work with you, you know? And then on their end, they're like, okay, yeah, like Sifu, we got to get rid of Sifu. Or like, we're willing to get rid of J, too. Like, we're not really, like, there's so many cracks. So we convinced everyone that there were cracks in us, but they were, like, all predetermined cracks that we set. And then also, with the re before, we only strategized together as a unit at night when everyone else was sleeping. So, like, you know, Julie would wake up, like, a hundred times throughout the night. And then, like... Every time she'd wake up, she'd look around, see who's sleeping. If everyone's asleep, she'd wake me and D up. We'd wake up Drew, uh, Drew up and we'd just go to the beach. We'd talk for like 45 minutes and we'd tell each other literally like every single conversation that we had throughout the day because during the day, we never talked to each other because we wanted to look like we were just working with each other out of necessity, not because we actually liked each other. Post-merge, honestly speaking, while you are on the beach, in your mind, what is the hierarchy of the re before? You know, I, I genuinely think that that's what makes us made us so like work together so well is because everyone thought they were at the top of Reba. Everyone thought at Reba, if they got to the end, they would have a, a good shot at winning. I thought that D thought that Drew thought that Julie thought that. And that's why we were not taking shots at each other before we agreed. We're not taking a shot until Bruce is gone. Once Bruce gone, we were able to take shots, but we all thought that we were at the top, honestly. Like, so, okay. But so if you're at the top, give yeah. me two, three and four. Ooh. Okay. Well, for the longest time, I thought it was me and Drew. Cause I felt like we were controlling a lot of the strategy up until, you know, the Emily vote. So I put us two at the top fighting together. And then with D and Julie, it was tough. I think it kind of shifted at first. It was D for sure. Because at the merge, she did this really epic performance of, you know, the, the poll challenge, she got her way with the Caleb vote. So I would probably put D and then Julie, but then Julie was like, she's climbed her way up past all of us just because through throughout the game, we felt like she was able to get really good relationships with people as they were going off in the jury. Like the days before we sent them home, she built really good relationships as they were sent to the jury. None of them blamed them. Like Drew and I, we, we felt like a lot of the jury blamed us for them going home. Um, and were like upset at us. And whereas they were like happy that Julie did it. They're like, wow, like that's so cool. Like badass, you know? So we felt like Julie was a huge threat going into the end because she had a lot of friends on the jury, despite, um, you know, voting them out, which was just like a really crazy good ability of hers. It's interesting that you say that about the four of you, how everyone thought that they had like a, a strong shot at winning because while I was watching as a fan, I'm like, depending on the episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, yo, Drew has this in the bag. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, Austin's this huge threat. He's loaded, as Bryce would say, with all this stuff. Uh, Austin has it in the bag. Oh my gosh, D is controlling this. She has it in the bag. So like at every point, I'm like, depending on the episode, I truly saw a path for any of you. And I I actually thought, 
I didn't see it as much for um, for Julie, but then I started to see it for her too. Yeah. Her, I think her game was like harder to show for the TV because she's less the person who's like, this who needs to go home, that's who needs to go home. But it's more like, okay, we want to send this person home. I need to build a relationship and convince this person we're doing that. And she does it 100% perfectly every single time. Like she is an amazing player, but she's not the one who's like saying like, this is what needs to be done or else. Um, but I think another thing that made like the re before work so well is like we were sharing like autonomy and like we gave each other chances to to make the moves. Like, for example, like like I was pushing probably the hardest for the Kelly vote. And then we had D pushing the hardest for the Kendra vote. And we had, you know, all of us working against Caleb. And we had like like we were taking turns kind of like picking who goes home in a way. No, I really think the re before is one of the strongest alliances like maybe ever in the sense that everyone was really seemed like a contributor. Yeah. Uh, Cause we see really strong alliances that stick together, but there's usually a clear hierarchy of like, okay, you're on the bottom and you should flip. But I think with the four of you, I also think four is the perfect number because mm-hmm. you get to the final four, like anything can happen. You don't have to turn on each other where you're four. It's like when you get to, you know, seven, six, five, that's when the moves can be made that, that allows someone to stand out. But until then it's like, there's no reason to flip on each other. You might as well stick tight. Yeah, uh, and did that, and, and not only stuck tight, but also we're we're able to hide it super effectively. Yeah, yeah, we didn't let anyone know. I mean, people towards like the end found that you know Drew and I were a duo, that Julie and D were a duo, but they didn't. the The cross was really well hidden for the longest time. Like even between me and D, the cross that was like hidden for for a while. I felt too. You talked about that Kelly vote, and we saw you go on the journey with. Kelly and Jay. And I feel like the question that a lot of people want to know, if I'm a sandwich, what type of sandwich am I, Austin? You? Oh my goodness. I mean, like a Philly cheesesteak, oh. right? Oh, oh. Yeah. Some nice sauce on it. Extra cheese. Oh, crispy on the outside. Bun. But ah, like, no. Austin! <laughs> okay. Have you ever had a Philly cheesesteak? Yes, I have had one, but it was at like a dining court in Philadelphia. So it's like not legit. I need a real one. Anyways, I wanted to ask Austin, I was consistently impressed throughout the season by a lot of like the really subtle moves that you made. Uh, A few that jumped to mind would be, you know, sort of your diagnosis on the amulet and how it was more of like a curse and like how you navigated with that. That time when you, I think you secured an extra vote or something, but you said you lost your vote. And so you made sure that in the voting booth, like you hurried because you wanted it to seem like you didn't have a vote. I mean, just little things like that. I was like yelling at my TV before they would happen. I'd be like, I hope Austin like knows he's got to vote really fast. (laughs) I'm going to vote really fast. I'm like, there we go. Um, I'm just wondering if there was any sort of moves like that or moments or conversations or whatever that were not shown that you really were, were proud of that yeah. were really strong moves. Yeah. One of them immediately sticks out and that was at the auction. Um, so at the auction, you know, the, whoever had the most money at the end lost their vote. Right. And that was the same round where we are able to do the Kelly blind side and Bruce ended up losing his vote. He had 80 bucks. He bid 80 bucks on that fish eye first. And I knew he was trying to spend all of his money and I knew he wasn't in my alliance. And if anyone wasn't in my alliance, I didn't want them to lose their money because I wanted them to have a chance of losing their vote. So that's why I bid a hundred on the fish eye. I won the fish eye. And then when I go up to get it, it's like, okay, now I don't want to seem like this big, like doing this strategic move right here and just outbidding him. I need to make it look like I genuinely want to eat this fish eye. So I just take this big bite out of it. I make this huge scene to make people be like, oh, like, yeah, he's just Austin eating this fish eye. He's not doing that to get rid of 
the vote or whatever of Bruce and it ended up working perfectly. Bruce lost his vote. If it weren't for that, Emily had $60. She would have lost her vote and that blind side would have not been able to happen. Wow. That's great. Like I didn't receive it that way. That is, that's a great move. <laughs> I, oh, thank you. I, appreciate it. I was bummed that they didn't show that, you know, they like, they glossed over. It's like, what? I was so excited for that. Like that was a new mechanic of the auction. You're, you should highlight the move that was made with that new mechanic. Yeah, but oh well. We see that you and Drew are a very tight pair. Is there ever a point in your mind where you're like, I have to get rid of him? Or was it always the plan for you to go to the end with him? It was always a plan to go to the end with him in my mind. Um, I mean, we were we were bros from the beginning and like from day two, we were we were linked in and we had a final two pact and I knew he was he was true to that and I was going to stay true to that, too. Um. There were a couple of moments towards the end where he started getting a little paranoid. And like when he first started really going, like, we need to get rid of Julie. We need to. Then I started thinking in my head, like, is guy going to turn on me? Cause like I felt like in the final three, like with the Reba group, there were like different matchups that worked well with, with other people. Like I felt D matched up well against me because her moves were directly against me. I, I felt I matched up pretty well against Drew. I felt like Drew might have matched up well against D. And then Julie, I felt like, she was good and could compete against anybody. I don't know who she'd win and who she'd lose against, but like she was solid against everybody. But I felt like there was kind of like a little bit of like a, I match up well, bad. Um, so I was wondering if Drew thought that as well and would maybe try going after me. I was never super worried about that, but yeah, no, I was planning to go with him to the end. Did he ever give you any like postseason confirmation on what his, you know, what his final three looked like? Uh, yeah. I mean, he told me that he was down for me, him and D. He was down for me, him and Emily. Those are the main ones I think he was pushing for. And obviously he'd be down for him, me and, and like a, a Jake or Couture or anything. But he wanted to go to the end with me. Gotcha. It was it was sad to see him go. Strong, super smart player. It seemed like he was not happy that he went home. Can you tell us about anything like after the sh- after the game or anything? How was how was Drew? Yeah, you know, Drew's the type of guy you just got to let him like steam off and chill out and uh, you know he'll be fine. Like he it's true like after the game ended like he didn't want to talk to anybody for a while. Like he kind of like wasn't saying anything in the group chat. He kind of just went MIA. Like I'd have calls with him and talk with him, but he wouldn't really talk with anyone else for a while. Um but uh, he he kind of grew around to it pretty fast. I mean, like in August, I went with him to Korea and that was a ton of fun. And like, like, that was a good time, like before the season aired and everything. So we were just all excited about what what might be shown, what might not be shown. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just like with anyone, he just needed a little bit of time to, to chill out. But then he's he's cool now. Were there any relationships that we did not see as viewers with you and maybe like the bellow, right? Like, yeah. did you have some like side relationships? Did you have something else cooking on another stove? Uh, yeah, in the event yeah. That I felt pretty good. Well, I felt that none of the bellow people were targeting me at all. Once Kelly was gone, I felt pretty good that no one was going to be going after me until they first got through either Drew or D or Julie. I knew everyone had someone else before me in their list. Um, I had a good relationship with Kendra. Um, we had like a little alliance going on at the, at the uh, tribe swapped uh, bellow. Like we were called like the deep dish alien alliance or something. <laughs> it was, it was a good time. Like Kendra's just a lot of fun. And I knew she was never going to vote for me or against me, but like also like she was a wild card out there for me. Cause I knew she was also still trying to work with a lot of the bellow people. And I didn't really know exactly where her head was at, but we had a really good relationship towards the end. Uh, Jake and I got pretty close and, um, once Drew was gone, I was like, okay, Jake, you're, you're going to be my Drew. Now we're going to go to the end kind of thing. Um, but, but yeah, 
I felt like a decent relationship with most of them. I was able to talk strategy with everybody, which I, I was uh, really wanting to do. Did you talk strategy with Katora? Yeah. Yeah. We talked strategy. Um, like we started talking strategy right at the merge, like at the Caleb vote, we had like a, we were talking for like two hours on the beach, which is why I was never really worried of the possibility of going to rocks. Like a lot of people give Katora crap for being like, Oh, why didn't you like force Austin into rocks or whatever? Like that wasn't even like a thought in my mind. Like I was 0% concerned that was ever going to happen um, because we were having like really good conversations and pretty much we were just like, listen, like work with us. We're going to do whatever we can to get rid of Bruce too. So um, she was on board with us fully and, and we you, kind of looped her into everything afterwards too. You hear that Jack? Yeah. What, why? I was just saying, you know, Katora has some more, you know, oomph. Well, I'm not saying Katura wasn't working. That's Katura was working with Reba. And I think that was the issue at the end of the day. Just, <laughs> I don't see the issue. I no, I've, I've heard more of Katura's side <laughs> of things in, in post game. And I, like, I, there, there's definitely a range of perspectives. So I'm not, I'm not on the anti Katura wave, but when it does boil down to gameplay, I stand by some of the, some of my, points we've, we've discussed this whole episode how strong this reba alliance is yeah and if i'm in there and i'm not a reba and i'm not in their hierarchy but my gameplay is let me go work with reba and I'd, I'd never switch that up that's not really a winning recipe so that's just where i stand on that but bello was certainly a mess and she wasn't clicking with bello so it's like her options were limited so i completely yeah, understand i agree um, now, I do have a hard-hitting question. You right. know I stood by my man all season. Oh, and oh, boy. I'm going to say it, right? I do want to know because my my vision is cloudy, but I do remember picnics on the sands. I do remember a like very low-budget helicopter <laughs> ride. I do remember like a charcuterie board that wasn't cootering. Um, <laughs> hindsight Monday morning quarterbacking yep. that decision to take said person because I'm only saying said person because mm -hmm. the said person that had been took was you out there, I taken it, okay right but that's still no excuse and you and I have worked through that Austin I know we, I know I'm gonna bring it back, back up it's still a little sensitive subject for me but I digress in yeah, hindsight Austin. Monday morning quarterbacking seeing how Drew and the others took to that. Would you still make that decision? And I do give you permission to take me out of the mix. Okay. If you weren't there, I mean, I don't regret. It. I felt like for me at the time, that was the best move for me to do. I needed to separate D and Julie. That was priority. Number one, priority. Number two is I needed to make sure whoever group I left back, wasn't going to turn it on to me. And I knew Couture was the one who's most likely to throw votes onto me if I left her out there, she'd get really upset and then be like, oh my God, let's just vote Austin out. So the two people I picked, I felt like strategically were the best move. Um, I personally would have loved to take Drew. He was dying out there. Like that dude was struggling. I wish I could have taken him. Um, he made me feel better being like, don't worry. Last time I was on a helicopter, I threw up. It's okay. You know, like, <laughs> um, but I felt really bad about that. Um, but strategically, I think I made the right move. Okay. Now, real quick, you have just won the reward. We are your tribe. Oh. You can only pick one person. Oh, my goodness. Well, oh, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, are we are we all on different uh, tribes right now? Are we on the same tribe? Different we're tribe? We're the re before, and we're the re before. Oh God! Who you want more? <laughs> oh, this is actually so tough right now. Listen, Bryce, if I took you there, I wouldn't be able to think straight for the rest of the game. I don't think I could take you, man. Good answer. <laughs> all right, that's oh. one down. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is oh, over. It's over. We should have got Drew. Somebody <laughs> called Drew. It's a compliment. Oh. I, it's a compliment. You know, you'd cloud my judgment too much. I, okay. I couldn't. Like, it, you know, watching you eat the cheese. Oh, oh I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't take you. I mean, dollar anyway. So this, this is tough. This is tough. But I, I got to go with my Chicago boy, Jack. Oh, no, uh, wait. I got to uh, go with Jack. Oh, oh! Hey, we did it. We won reward, man. Don't tell the people back there, all right? Yo, you ready to fly over on the helicopter and scream at them and make them feel bad about being left at camp? Oh, yeah. I love Shanks. This yeah. is the bromance from the start. Dude. Oh, this is going to be a good time. All right. Final three, right? Final two. Oh. All right. Jack, finish the podcast. I got stuff to do. <laughs> okay. Now. That was a hard-hitting question. I'm not ready oh. for another one. Oh, gosh. My last hard-hitting question, Austin, is that we see your relationship. Is there ever a point in time in which that Katora, Jake, anyone comes to you? Is there ever a time that you're voting D out? Or are you re- like you're riding out to the end of the street because you're riding out to the sun with me but is there ever a time that you actually like pull the trigger and vote her out or are you really because we know you are a loyal smart but you know smart but loyal handsome and cute tall but kind of medium short like big (laughs) but medium heart like we know that you are a good thank you solid Strong. We know. We know, Bryce. We we okay. Do know. Person, I right? Up to here, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to answer that question, you know, um, I felt D and Drew similarly. I was never going to vote either of them out. But the only thing I knew at the time, uh, at final four, I knew my best path to the end was to take out D and Fire. Would I be able to do that? I'm not positive. I knew at that. I knew back then, like back at Final Five, the reason why I switched my vote, one of the big reasons why I switched my vote from Katura to Julie is because I knew I wanted either a final three of me, Julie and D, because then I would think that D and Julie might be able to split the votes and I'd be able to like throw them off as being able to like doing everything together. Or I wanted, you know, potentially both of them out. And the only chance to do that was to vote out Julie and then to take out D and fire. I knew if anyone but D won the final four challenge, if Jake won, he was going to put himself against uh, D and fire. If anyone else, if Couture won, she was either going to put Jake or me against D and fire. If I won, I knew I needed to put myself against D and fire. Once again, I don't know if I was ready to make that decision. Honestly, Um, I knew that's what I like. A part of me was like worried of winning final four challenge because I knew I would have had to make that decision. Um, I think honestly, probably like most likely I would have put myself into fire against Couture just to be totally honest, but I knew like, who knows, maybe I would have been able to do it if I actually was forced to make that decision, but I was never going to vote D out. I was never going to vote Drew out, but yeah. I appreciate that. And I don't mean to take up too much time, but like, I always feel like the trolls and the people online, they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe, but it's like, when you are out there, 
there the relationships that you yeah. build, the people that you have been with, although it's a million dollars. And even though I might've only been out there for nine days. Right. But like, I understand that, that, that thinking and understanding. And I know that it's hard at times because the average viewer or person on Twitter or whatever that is talking smack, they don't understand that, but it's a lived experience. And so, yeah. although I'm mad, I, I respect you for that answer. Truly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, you know, when you're talking every single night with this group of people telling each other everything, like what I thought, you know, everything. And it's just like, it's hard to then be like, well, peace out kind of thing. But, you know, and I think that's another thing of like coming in as an alternate to that. I feel like that was one area where I was less prepared for than maybe some other people. Like, cause I, w- I wouldn't ever really let myself like fully imagine myself being out there on the Island, making these decisions because I didn't want to let myself down by then just having to go back and take midterms. So um, that was the one part I think was was the, the hardest for me to fully adapt to. My last question for you, uh, getting into some some postseason stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we were hanging out before I think the season even aired. Uh, and I remember sort of jokingly telling you that, you know, us, you Chicago guys <laughs> have a curse. Every you Chicago guy we've had oh, on the has been a losing finalist. Uh, to this point, zero vote losing finalists. And I was like, it would be crazy. I was like, I hope I was like, it, it would be good if you made it to the finals, but I hope you would, would win the whole thing. Lo and behold, your the, the curse <laughs> continues. Granted, you almost you were two hey, you were one I and a half away from winning. Weaken um, the curse. It's ready for the next U Chicago to break it. You know, but my question for you, and this is sort of jokingly, but sort of serious, is you know, and just for those who don't know. You uh, Chicago, we got Austin, we got Xander, we got Spencer Bledsoe, hey. and then you know different show, but myself, and then me, <laughs> Spencer, and Xander were all in the same fraternity as well. So Austin, what do you think about what do you think it is about you Chicago guys that has created this recipe for a losing finalist? Do you think it's it can't be pure coincidence? You know. I think it's- you know, maybe it's like the the Midwestern, like, cause you're just like the Midwestern guy, you know, very nice, social, like gets along with other people. Um, but maybe, maybe a little less cutthroat than, than the, the Miami folk, you know what I mean? Um, but you also forgot one other kind of losing finalist, um, who's in my class, Spencer Swice, who is on, uh, the bachelorette made it to like final four or something and then got. Oh, I wasn't thinking about the bachelorette as a, as a final whatever <laughs> situation, but it is kind of funny if he was in like the final four that that's kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pattern. So uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Do you, do you have any theories? I would say, you know, I think maybe recently we've had a lot of casting success because you Chicago is a very academic school. So you're getting yeah. intelligent guys, but they're pulling them from, you know, our fraternities, one of the more, probably social places on at a very academic school. So you're getting guys who are very intelligent, but also bring a level of socialness to the table that maybe the average U Chicago student wouldn't. Uh, So I think maybe that's a recipe for going far. But then I think just given the fact that we're all sort of college age kids, maybe we don't have that life experience or that respect that's necessary to to win the, the whole thing when we get to the end. Uh, that that would be my theory on it, but 
That is true. I feel like the U Chicago people that have been brought on have all been like 20 or 21 when they went on. Right. Exactly. I, I'm the oldest one. I was on at 26 and that's still, that's still young. So uh, maybe it is it. also interesting with that U Chicago trend. All have been zaddies on the Bryce Isaiah zaddy calendar, which is an interesting fact. I don't know how that will fare for Austin. Time will tell. But I, my last question, Austin, is um, this season, you have been the heartthrob of the season. The, the gays love you. The ladies love you. And overall, like you, you have just been the one of the, the many people. But, you know, maybe some people's favorite person to watch play and to, you know, physically look at how has that been for you? Because I getting to know you and knowing you, I feel like you're not that, you know, that person that's like, yeah. look at me. Like, how has that been? You know, it, it's been, it's been different. You're right. Like that has never been me. That's not what I'm used to. I, I don't even know if that's what I like. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I've only recently got long hair. I only grew this out from the show. Like, I feel like I did have like some sort of like, like I, I had like terrible acne up until like three years ago. So like, this is all so new to me. It's exciting. It's like, okay, cool. I'm on, I'm on this side now. That's fun. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know how to respond. Someone says something nice to me. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I like move. I I don't know what to do. Like you you got the right answer. Just let them know you spoken for That's all you got. Exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of the strategy. Um, I, yeah, it's been fun. Like, Like the memes have been cracking me up. I like got my mom to read some of them on Twitter. It just, it's just so funny. It's like, who would have ever thought like, you know, 15 year old Austin would see this and just like, wouldn't even believe it. Like what, what on earth is happening? Like, I still don't, it still doesn't make sense to me, but you know, I'll take it. I've seen the challenge. I post your 21 year old photo. So we did see what you, you posted <laughs> on the Instagram. Also. So you have come a long way, but that Austin then could have got it too. But you know, that, oh, okay. that was like one of my best photos of my 21, you know, time period. I haven't gotten to 21 yet, but when I do, I like want to make sure I take a great one so that, yes. and, you know, I can post one of those. But when I get there. <laughs> yeah, I told Drew to post one, but that would have just been like a year and a half ago. <laughs> Austin, man, thank you so much for an incredible season. Thank uh, you so much for like being a great sport for the support of the Purple Pants podcast, Survivor News, like you, you helped us out, man. And you're, you're a great, you're a great addition to the Survivor family, man. So from me and the fellas, we thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Absolutely. We like it. Yeah. There's so much similarities between you and Wendell. Yeah. Yeah, There are so many similarities between us. (laughs) You know, we're, we're we're wearing nice salmon colored shirts. Good pod. <laughs> Y'all got the same shape head. Where did uh, the time go? Look, we have to stay under an hour. We're right there. No, but truly, Austin, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, shout out to Mama Eva. And yeah, you know, we'll see you very soon. I'm going to FaceTime you later tonight. Uh, actually, I can't FaceTime Austin because if not, I don't know, Austin got an Android. One of my best friends. He got me, he literally got me an iPad so that I could just FaceTime people. So I have FaceTime, but I only use my iPad for FaceTime. That's a good friend. Yeah, yeah. He just got fed up with my green bubbles, I guess. I 
Uh-huh. I'm with that friend. But listen, great season. Again, this has been your postseason Survivor News interview with my man, my man, my man, Austin. Woo! Thank you all. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. Woo. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. Woo. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.